My name is Dwayne Default, and welcome to Selling SaaS, a daily podcast that's built to get you quick hits of the best advice from the top experts for go-to-market strategies, sales, and product-led growth. Now let's get into today's episode. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Selling SaaS Podcast. And today we're going to change things up a little bit. So if you're watching this on video, it's great. You can see the stuff I'm going to be drawing. kind of hits the brain centers a little bit differently. But to give you a quick reminder, uh, what we do on this podcast is we really focus on helping B2B SaaS companies kind of scale up their business, scale into new markets. So that way they can grow profitably and grow faster without having to hire a bloated sales team or massive marketing budgets or anything like that. So we're kind of getting you into that next phase of business by helping you get into, you know, bigger, better deals that close faster and stick around for a long time. So one of the topics that come up recently, I had an interview with a friend of mine on the podcast named Chuck Regroot, and he's the director of alliances for another tech company. And he spent almost 17 years, 15 to 17 years in a completely different industry that required him to sell kind of like an old school way. And he took all of that experience. And now he's in the partnership and alliances world in sales and tech. And so it was a really great conversation that, that reminded me of some of the things that it really takes to build a really good channel partner program. And I've mentioned it before, when you're trying to go from you know SMB into more larger businesses, one of the best ways to do that is to go through your channel partnerships. And the reason for that is we'll get into in just a second, but I wanted to make sure you guys had a quick guide on how to do that, a couple things not to do. So that way you can start to optimize your partner program or just the way you approach partnerships in your business to win more. And so we're going to do is we're going to go through the top five best practices for building and growing a partner program. Now, there's going to be a lot of things in between that, a lot of details to cover. We're not going to cover that today. You can get that another time. But I just wanted to give you the top five things to pay attention to uh, and a lot of things that I've actually seen people not do well at all, especially in channel partnerships. So what we're going to go a little backwards, say, instead of going through one through five, we're going to go through five to one. So maybe you can stick around till the last one, which is always a point of contention for channel partnerships. So the first thing we're going to talk about when it comes to channel partnerships is channel partnerships is not a marketing department. Channel partnerships is about, it's under sales. So I gotta write a number five. So partners is under the sales department. Now, way too many companies just put a cool slide deck together with the list of features and has all these design logos and all that stuff on it. And then they have some BDR or a marketing associate jump on a screen share and present their product to hundreds, if not thousands of sales reps from your integrated partner. The problem with that is you're selling, you're not selling to your customer, you're selling to your partner's sales team, and then they sell to the customer. That's how referrals work. That's why partnerships are in place to get you better customers faster through the way of getting referrals. And if you're showing up to those trainings or those opportunities to be in front of your uh, partners with your marketing team, and all they're doing is just blasting them with a slide deck with all these bells and whistles and shiny objects and whatnot. They don't care about that, and they can smell that from a mile away. You'll get blocked faster than your newsletter and getting unsubscribed, right? So, what you need to do is you need to make sure that your partner program, especially like your integrated solution partners and your direct referral partners, needs to live under your sales department. Again, you are selling to your partner sales team, not 
your customer. And so you need to be able to speak the language. You need to be able to help them understand how to position your product and their product together, not just send you a bunch of referrals. All right. So number five, starting with number five is a partner program needs to live under sales, not marketing, not product or anything else. It has to live under your sales or at least your customer success department because they're the ones dealing with the customers every day and they know what works and what doesn't work. So again, your partner program needs to live under your sales department. So number four is about partner support. And again, from five to one, this is what we're going to do. So when I'm talking about partner support, it's like an ongoing conversation, it's an ongoing sale. Think about customer success for your partner teams, your partner development teams. It's an ongoing conversation that you're having. And so by with partner support, what you're doing is you are constantly educating them. You're constantly communicating with them. You are constantly reaching out to make sure they have everything they need from your company. And have what they need to go win. So by partner support, I'm not saying you have a chat support or a phone support person waiting on the dedicated line that your partners call. If you have that, great. But what I'm talking about is a proactive support and training that you're going to give your partner so that way they know how to win when it's your app and their app they're trying to position for their customers. And there's lots of different ways to do that, which we can go into another day, but you need to be in front of them often. So if you have the opportunity to get on a plane and go to their offices or go to an event with them and you can train them, you can teach them about how to position your product and theirs to go win more. But then it's also, you are there on deals with them. You are co-selling, you are co-marketing, you're building co-branded go-to-market material, and you are working together to craft a solution, not just to win more business, but to help their teams serve your you know now co-owned customer together. You can't just show up to these meetings or appointments and partnerships demanding that they give you referrals and that you don't give them attention unless they do or just think you're going to get a whole bunch of rev share opportunity from them. So again, number four is partner support, ongoing support, proactive support. You're there making sure that you can help them win. If you do that, you're going to stand out in that ecosystem. All right. So number three, it's a cliche saying, and I think Gary V made it famous. He's got a book called it where it's like jab, right hook. When you're trying to scale a channel partner program, you have to understand that you need to be the first one to give. Okay. So for number three, we're just going to put give, give, get. In fact, it's probably like two to three more times the amount of give that you're going to get. And so what I mean by that again, so that's why I came after partner support, because you have to have that mindset. You're there to help your partners win. You can't just, like I said, you can't just sit back and expect them to send you referrals, to share their CRMs, to connect all this data with you. And you're just going to be able to prospect into their existing customer book. That just doesn't exist. Now there are programs out there that you can subscribe to like reveal partner tap where you can share CRMs and work together on active opportunities. Now, that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is you need to be in your partner support efforts proactive to reach out and figure out what do they need that you can help them with? Is there material? Is there sales material? Is there opportunities at events? Are you giving referrals back to them? So I said partner channel partnerships could potentially live under your customer success department. And more often than not, that's actually where you end up giving them referrals because in the sales conversation, you're not in the mix with the customer customer just yet to really understand what they need on a day to day from their operations and their business. But when you have your CSM department, you have a much larger opportunity to give referrals back to your partners. Now, there's a lot of stipulations and differences on how that can work. And, you know, how do you prioritize that? Do you get spiffs from the partner outside of rev share? That's all, you know, water in the bridge or technicalities you can figure out after the fact. But you have to understand if you want a really strong, really great partnership or an ecosystem or a marketplace, you have to constantly 
constantly be looking for opportunities to give back to them. Now, it doesn't always have to be a direct referral. Maybe there's you know different incentive, different events, different things you can send them. There's swag programs. Like I've been a, a partner with HubSpot and Aircall for years. And Aircall, I love being a partner with them. You know, I don't send them a ton of business, but every single year I have the opportunity to choose from gifts and little swag items and stuff. And they're not cheap things like a pen or something. And so are there different ways that you could potentially give back to your partner ecosystem to help them engage more with your brand and your company? And the one of the biggest reasons why people do not invest more in their channel partnership is because they think either A, it takes too long to establish a legitimate partner program. And to be honest, a really good long-term healthy partner program probably takes around six to nine months to build, if not longer, depending on the type of customer industry you're selling into. And the fastest I've seen a partner channel, a specific channel being stood up and run is about three months to where that was consistently bringing in referrals. But the other part of the reason why people don't invest into partner programs is because they think the cost to acquire that customer is much higher than it is through you know traditional marketing channels. When in reality, it's either the same, but most of the time it's a lot less, if not twice as less when you're looking at paid acquisition, even SEO. People think organic traffic is free, but you still have to pay your team the hours to go and write all that stuff. So anyways, one of the biggest reasons why channel partnerships aren't developed or they're not invested is because people think that the cost of acquisition for those customers is much too high than other channels. And it's very hard to calculate those numbers specifically if you're not accurately tracking your other channels. But the way to get a channel partnership, whether it's one channel or an entire ecosystem to produce quality customers on a consistent basis is you have to constantly be looking for ways to give back to your marketplace, give it back to your channel partners in a way that they need you to, not just a generic link that they send out and they get whatever, it's building a relationship with each one of your partners, having that conversation with them, figuring out how they need you to show up to help them win business, and that's gonna be the best way to give back to them. Maybe you may not be in a situation where you can send them a whole bunch of referrals every single month, every quarter, but how can you support them otherwise, right? Again, the third one is give some more, and then you get from them. If you rush into a partner relationship, and the first conversation you have with whoever is just, hey, let's get into your CRM, we can compare pipelines. They're going to run away. They're not going to talk to you. And all they're going to think is that you're out after their customer list. You can't do that. You have to find ways to give back, be generous in your support and your time and your efforts to help them win business, not just send you referrals. And when you do it that way, you actually get a lot more referrals than if you just demand it because then they'll give back to you and they'll find opportunities to fit you into their active opportunities, which then close even faster. So more on that another day. All right. So number two, so we're going again, five through one, we're counting up to the most important one, right? So the second most important thing you need to have dialed in, you have to have figured out is your ideal customer profile, but it doesn't stop there. Even if you have your ideal customer profile figured out, you need to understand your partner's ideal customer profile, but it doesn't stop there. There's more because of the type of partnership that you have, especially if you have an integrated solution partnership with an API, and things connect and all that stuff, there's going to be a deeper level, more specific ICP between the two of you, if not the three of you, okay? So for number two, the second most important thing you have to have dialed in, figured out, communicated, and documented is your partnership's ideal customer profile. So number two, partner ICP, all right? ICP, boom. So here's the thing, you have your ideal customer profile, and again, your partner has an ideal customer profile. The customers that fit both of those are gonna be even more specific, okay? So when you are 
designing your product, when you're designing your marketing, your messaging, your approach, how you do your prospecting, how you discover your demo, close, you put up your customer acquisition process. The best companies understand where their product fits in your customer's business operations, their day-to-day, their process. Where does it fit? So let me give you an example, right? So in sales, you have your list, you have your phone call, you have your CRM, you have your proposal, you have a step-by-step basis or step-by-step process that you take a customer through. You can't just come from phone call to proposal. Hopefully it's not it, but you have these different things that you have to do in between. Some tools have all of those things. Other companies use individual tools. Let me give you different examples. So if you're in HR tech, you're selling to HR professionals. Inside of that, you have things like time tracking, scheduling, payroll, benefits, taxes, employee company management, all of that stuff. Those things are managed within a tool. Some of the best companies, the best partnership ecosystems that I've seen help build and been involved in are the ones that understand where they're at in their customer's business process. For example, when I was building a time tracking company, I understood that the next most important thing after tracking time data was payroll. And then it was accounting, right? And in the middle of that was scheduling and benefits. So what we did is we took our time tracking software and we partnered with payroll companies that needed that digital time data to get people paid instantly. And so we established those partnerships. Then we took it a next step further and we integrated with accounting programs. So we can literally do all three of the most important functions in a business is getting people paid and serviced on time and accurately. That's how we built a gigantic partner system, right? That's how you see, that's the main difference between companies that have 20 people in their partner program versus companies that only have one. And that one person at that partner program does 10 times more business than that 20 person company. It's not because they have channel SDRs, blasting the phones and you know cold out on on LinkedIn and social media and all that stuff. It's no, you have taken the time to craft a specific solution that solves a specific problem for a really good customer profile. Now, when you have that approach and you understand that partnership's ideal customer profile, you can go to market with that. And then you become a household name. People will start bringing you into the conversation. Other ecosystems and other partnerships will see you winning together and they'll want to work more with you, right? That's what takes a long time to build a solid partner ecosystem. But you have to understand where your app fits in your ICP's business process. Then you have to understand where your partner's app fits in your ICP's business process and then how it fits with yours. And does it make sense? Is your partner's app immediately after yours in your ICP's business process, right? So time tracking, payroll, accounting, right? So if you want to establish a really solid partner program, you have to take that and use that as the lens for which you measure who you're going to be partnering with. So again, partnerships, ideal customer profile, you want to make sure whoever you're partnering with, it makes sense for you to be partners, not just because you sell to the same customer you expect them to send you referrals and vice versa. Awesome. It doesn't make sense for some programs to be connected, but hey, everyone has the weird outlying situation where the customer has bought that before. So again, one of the most important things to remember when building and scaling and managing a partner program, again, the second most thing is understanding the partnership's ideal customer profile. All right, so now we've kind of, you know, beat that topic to death. The number one most important thing, the number one most important thing when building, scaling, trying to establish a 
profitable partner program, whatever it is, doesn't matter if it's a, an affiliate program where it's hands off and it's ran through marketing through like a, an ecosystem or an app store, especially if you have like an integrated solutions partner, right? So for example, like I mentioned a second ago, uh, our company has been a partner, a solutions partner with HubSpot for a few years. And in order to maintain a certain level of partnership with them, you have to be able to close business. See what I'm getting at? So the number one most important thing when building any type of channel partner program is you have to be able to win business. If your sales team cannot close the deals, cannot close the referrals that your partners are sending you, guess what's going to happen? They're going to stop sending you referrals. They are trusting you with their contact, their point of contact, their prospect. And if you're not able to take care of them, if you're not able to service them, if you're not able to sell them, onboard them and treat them like you should in a professional sales situation, they're going to stop sending you referrals. And it doesn't matter how big the organization is either. We, I've partnered with some of the the largest payroll companies on the planet that employ or pay more than a third of the globe. And they're very sales driven. They understand how to close business. They have like seven to 8,000 sales reps worldwide and they all talk. They all understand each other. They share best practices and know how to win business inside of their organization, especially the top closers, the people that do earn seven figures in sales. They want to make sure that their customers are taken care of. So they're not going to send them to you if your sales team can't close them, if your sales team can't treat them with respect as well, or even your customer success team, right? Just because you maybe you can close the business. Maybe you're really great at onboarding them, treating them right inside of the sales process. But as soon as you hand it over to your success team, you have a product-led growth environment where they're just supposed to take care of themselves. That's not going to fly. So you have to understand to maintain a profitable, scalable partner program, you got to be able to win business because as you start building a partner program, as you start understanding what it takes to establish and maintain that type of relationship, you have to understand that it is a relationship. It is a bi-directional relationship in business that has to have equal amounts of respect on both sides. It sounds more than it is, but if you go back 20 years around how sales was originally done and how it should be done today, it is based on relationship and respect. And you have to take the time to build that connection with your partnerships, especially the salespeople who you are going to be doing deals with. And we'll get into another episode. But when I talk about winning business, it's not just getting on a phone, sharing your CRM and prospecting into it and letting them know when the deal is done, because that's how most partner programs are ran is you will tell the partner when the deal is done because you have to be able to confirm it for a rev share agreement and their sales rep gets that spiff. That's not what I'm talking about. You have to treat every opportunity when you get it from a referral as as a way to create a connection and to craft a solution for that customer. So in a co-selling environment where you're working together to go close a customer, to go close new business, you need to understand that if you don't show up to that customer call ready to go, if you don't show up to that demo, knowing how your product is going to interact with your partner's product, and you have to be able to answer the questions and demo that functionality, and you don't, you're not going to win that business. You're not going to treat your partner like they matter. If you don't take the time to understand your partner's tool, their software and how it integrates and functions with yours. Now, I'm not saying you have to understand their product as much as they do and understand all the bells and whistles and all the use cases. That's not what I'm saying. You need to understand how your product interacts with theirs and be able to demo the functionality and answer questions on that. And if you can't do that, you're not going to win a lot of business inside of partnerships. I've seen, like I mentioned before, the 20 person partner program versus the one person partner program. I've seen that multiple single person partner programs that close more business 
business than the rest of the sales team. One partnership in particular was about 25 to 30% of the monthly MRR that was brought in for that organization versus another partner program that had 20 channel reps between channel SDRs, channel AEs, a channel director, all that stuff that was bringing like a very small amount of money in. And they just couldn't get it to scale because they had brand new BDR straight out of college working their channel program, getting a list of all of their partners, employees and blasting them on LinkedIn and cold calling and trying to get them on the phone to compare CRMs and all that stuff. It's like, no, that's how you burn a relationship instead of build a relationship. So if you want to build a relationship, you have to understand where they're coming from. You have to take the time and give them the time to answer their questions, educate them, to work with them, to work together, to go opportunities so you can help them win. If you take the approach of helping your partners win, you're going to win alongside them. You're going to be brought in to so many deals and so many customers you would have never thought was possible because you have that approach. You're going to solve problems for your partners that they're not able to solve, and you're going to give them a new path to go win more business. They're going to love you for it. You're going to be an award-winning company inside of their channel ecosystem, and they're going to sing your praises, and they're going to open up doors for you that you never thought were possible. And I only speak, I speak this from experience. So take it from someone who's built partner programs that has one business in these ecosystems. And if you can't win business, if you can't treat those partner reps or those partner employees with as much as respect as you would your grandma, they're not going to want to work with you. And here's the crazy part. I know I'm kind of belaboring this specific topic because there's so many things, so much to talk about, so many topics underneath the number one most important thing to build partner programs and the win business. There's so many things that people forget when it comes to that. If you and your team can't close business on a consistent basis, if you can't do it well, if you can't do it respectfully, and if you can't do it in the big business segment, good luck. It's going to be so hard. There's going to be so much friction. It's going to be like rolling a bowl uphill that's square. <laughs> like It's going to feel much harder than it should be. And you're trying to force a relationship and force a conversation. It's not going to go well. So the other main point to think about when it comes to all of these, you're going to be going backwards again. So one through five. So the, of the top five things, if you don't do these things, a really negative result happens and you won't know it until it's too late. So if you can't win business, if you can't close deals, if you don't understand the ideal customer profile for that specific partnership, if, if you don't understand that you have to give and give and then give some more in order to get from your partnership. If you're not doing that, if you're not being proactive with that, if you don't have a really great partner support program in your organization, again, if partnerships is under marketing, obviously you're not going to be able to win a lot. If you don't have these things figured out, here's a thing that most companies don't realize happen until it's too late or they stop with their partnership altogether. They basically get ghosted and you can call it canceled or whatever, is they just stop working with you. They'll stop inviting you. They'll stop sending you reports. And that's not something you can measure or track because what happens inside of large companies, Salesforce, ADP, these giant ecosystems, they all talk. And so if you have a rep who owns the Pacific Northwest out in like Washington, Oregon area, and you don't do what you're supposed to do to close business, if you're not respecting the reps from your partner's companies in that area, one, you're going to stop getting invited to things. They're going to stop answering your phone. They're going to stop working with you and referring you. They're going to remove you out of their app deck. But the other thing is that'll trickle over to the other territory. So it'll trickle to other parts of that organization because guess what? Like I said a second ago, they share their practices. They share their best practices. It's like an ecosystem. You have a reputation within that partner ecosystem that you need to make sure you're paying attention to and understand that 
you're trying to win together. So hopefully this makes sense. There's a lot of nuances, a lot of stuff you need to pay attention to when building a partner program that we can go into another day. But I want to make sure that as you start to, you know, use some of the information we've shared on this podcast and you see a bunch of the posts and content, if you're part of the newsletter, if you bought any courses from us, as you're going upstream, as you're scaling out of that product-led growth SMB area and you're going up market to bigger customers and you're struggling to do that, you have to pay attention to these five things. If you're not paying attention to these five things, it's always going to be a battle. Okay. So remember top five best practices, the top five things that help you build and scale a legitimate partner program is again, one, you have to be able to win business. You have to be able to close. You have to be able to run a sales process. And I know that if you have been in product led growth for the last decade and you're trying to implement a sales process, you may want to wait to focus on partner until you can dial that in or else you're just going to blow up a market rather than earn into a market. So again, you're going to win business. You need to make sure you have that partnerships, ideal customer profile file, figured out, documented, and communicated. You have to understand you've got to give 10 times more than you get, and you're going to have to do that consistently. Don't stop doing that just because you started to win some business, okay? And then partner support, make sure you have ongoing communication, support, training, all the stuff you need for your partners, not just a generic partner best practices or whatever. And then of course, partnership needs to live under your sales department, not marketing. So hopefully that was helpful. I know we went into a lot of tangents today, but I wanted to make sure that you've got a, a decent approach and mentality as you're scaling upstream and going from SMB mid-market into enterprise. And if partnerships is part of that strategy, these are the things you need to pay attention to. So again, if today's episode is helpful, please like, share, send us a five-star review, interact on social, be a part of the newsletter, and just engage more with our brand because it always helps us get in front of more founders like yourself. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Selling SaaS Podcast. And if you got value from today, please leave a review on your favorite podcast platform. 